And now, The Mentors Radio, one of the most popular and unique shows on the air today. Here each week, remarkable CEOs and leaders, including hosts Tom Laurie and Dan Hesse, and their guests will mentor you, challenging your thinking about life and work. Sought after for their ethical leadership and advice, and for helping others succeed throughout their careers, now these same CEOs, the mentors, want to help you achieve your highest level of profitability, success, and personal fulfillment in life, at work, and in business. Learn more and check out the show notes at TheMentorsRadio.com. That's TheMentorsRadio.com. And now, here's your mentor. Thank you for joining us. I am Tom Laurie, and I will be your host today. Today, our guest is Scott Jeffrey Miller, The Mentor's Mentor. Scott is a 25-year Franklin Covey veteran who recently retired as the Chief Marketing Officer and Executive Vice President, but he still serves Franklin Covey as a Senior Advisor on Leadership and currently hosts the Franklin Covey Podcast on Leadership with Scott Miller. It's the world's largest weekly leadership podcast. He is also the proud dad of three boys. He is also the Wall Street Journal bestselling author with six books he's authored or co-authored, which have also appeared on Amazon's bestseller list for business management. These include his Master's Mentor series and his most recent book, The Ultimate Guide to Mentorship, Great Mentorship, 13 Rules to Making a True Impact. Scott, thank you very much for joining us today and taking the time out of your busy schedule to be with us. And let's get started. Let's uh, give our audience a little bit more background on who you are. So tell us a little about your own journey. You've had your own interesting journey. So let's share that with the audience. Thanks, Tom. Great to be on your show today. Uh, I live in Salt Lake City, Utah with my wife, Stephanie, and our three sons that are 9, 11, and 13. I uh, lived out here for 27 years, worked for the Franklin Covey Company, as you mentioned, Stephen Covey, the founder, the seven habits of highly effective people. I was privileged to become their chief marketing officer for a decade and then went on to become a multi-volume author, speaker. I own a talent literary and speaking agency as my day job, if you will. Originally, I'm from Florida. I spent the first half of my life in Orlando, Florida, worked for the Walt Disney Company for four years on the real estate development side until they invited me to leave, which is kind of <laughs> how it happens at Disney. So where does a single Catholic boy from Orlando move? Well, of course, to Provo, Utah, where all the Catholics were. Of course, I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. There wasn't a single Catholic in Utah 30 years ago, but it's been a remarkable journey. Spent my entire career now in the leadership development mentoring career space. Have just released my sixth book, as you mentioned, The Ultimate Guide to Great Mentorship, a, to a topic that HarperCollins published that I'm very passionate about. Now, you've had your own personal battle that you've had to overcome. Share that with the audience and uh, how that uh, affected your, um, let's say, thinking and how you overcame it. Well, I have lots of personal battles I've overcome. Are you, are you referring to my stutter? Yes. Yes. So most people that follow me on social or have had me keynote their company know that I have a quite debilitating speech impediment. I'm a stutterer. I've had braces three times, Invisalign three times, headgear, retainers. I have two speech coaches. There are about 35 words that I cannot say in public. It quadruples in the winter time. And so I have spent a lifetime of finding um, 
options and off-ramps and band-aids to help to overcome what was a very debilitating speech impediment and still is, which is why I'm such a voracious reader, because reading provides a vocabulary for me and words that have different consonants and vowel consonant connections that allow me to have options when a stutter word is coming up two or three sentences away. It allows me to metaphorically take my car off the highway, pull into a rest stop, pick up an alternative word, and come back on the highway. So um, stuttering happens for many different reasons, neurological, physiological, all kinds of reasons. Mine I've been able to get on top of with lots of practice and lots of mistakes. So back in the day when I was with American Hospital Supply, I was the COO of a company in the Bay Area called HC Electronics. And we sold products into speech therapy developed by the founders of the company. One of the products had to do with stuttering. So I'm very familiar with uh, all the all the things needed to try and overcome it. And it's an interesting and great story. Um, but you started your career in sales. It, it seems like somebody had to overcome uh, stuttering. I mean, what a hell of a place to start your career. I think I'm a glutton for punishment. I I never take the easy road. I always learn the hard way. I don't know why, but I, 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 for some reason, Tom, I have an unbridled level of courage. Embarrassment is kind of not a gene that I associate with. Maybe it's because I was so embarrassed in my young, my young years, I overcame it. But I've always placed myself in uncomfortable positions that has forced me to find different tools or different mechanisms to take what I've got and make it work. And you're absolutely right. Sales and in, in face-to-face meetings and being a podcast host and a radio host like you and a keynoter, these are the last things someone with a stutter wants to do. But I guess I just like disrupting myself. So somewhere along the line, and we're going to be talking obviously about mentoring and uh, the various levels of mentoring and different forms of mentoring, but who was it that trusted you and took a chance on you? Well, it isn't one person, right? I mean, it was it was Hans, it was Jane, it was Deborah, it was Larry, it was Charles, it was Bill, it was Todd. And then it became Chuck and Charles and Paula, and then Gary, and then David, and then Bill, and then Bob. And Those, each person, I suspect, brought something different to the table. Yes, these are the leaders of my last 35 careers that all believed in me more than I believed in myself, that pre-forgave me, that took me under their wing, that called me aside and had high courage conversation with me. My entire career has been as the beneficiary of great leaders and mentors who often believed in me more than I believed in myself. So with the wealth of uh, mentors and or people that have influenced you and shaped your life, What did you gain from that that led you to what you're doing today and helping other mentors? What were some of the big, let's say, three big takeaways from just your own experience? Well, one is they taught me I can't talk myself out of a problem I behaved myself into. I can only behave myself out of that problem. Another one was to recognize you don't get to decide if you are trustworthy. Others decide that. You have to behave yourself into a reputation of becoming trustworthy. And I think three was learning the difference between being efficient and being effective. They sound very similar, 
But usually efficiency is something with things and processes and effectiveness is something you do with other people in relationships. And all three of those have been struggles for me as I have matured into a better leader, entrepreneur, father, spouse, and now mentee and mentor. I'm working hard to master those three insights. Well, when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about mentors, sponsors, coaches. It's kind of a confusing space. So after a short break, we're going to come back with Scott Jeffrey Miller, the author of the Master Mentor Series and the Ultimate Guide to Great Mentorship. Go to our website, thementorsradio.com, and click on List of Shows to Listen to Past Shows. Subscribe while you're there so you don't miss any future shows. This is Tom Laurie, and you're listening to The Mentors Radio Show. And now, back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. So, coming back on the whole topic of mentoring, you know, they're meant, and you can imagine, I'm sure you get the same thing. I get a lot of people that want to get on the radio show, and they're coaches, and there's a, a gazillion coaches, or I never get people that really call themselves mentors, but I get a lot of coaches, there are uh, also, there's a lot written about sponsors versus mentors. Uh, how how would you differentiate between all of those? So we get so as we get into the mentoring thing, we're focused on that. Well, my, my opinion, which I'll imagine some will disagree with, is that coaching is a very viable, valuable process. It usually is a for profit business. Usually, business experts could be a therapist, could be a and any person has gone to some kind of certification program. They've been credentialized. They've been trained to follow a process, a, a pedagogy, if you will. And then they go charge for their services. It's usually quite intense and rigorous. And it's usually taking someone from A to Z and they're paying you for it. It's a very noble profession. I think that the coaching business is by and large transformed a lot of people's lives and careers. I think mentoring has some similarities with coaching, but it's, in my case, always pro bono. It's usually you're asked to be a mentor. You don't march in and announce yourself, I'm a mentor and who can I mentee? Who's my, my mentee? I think usually when you are mentoring, it's because you've been invited. Sometimes you've volunteered and other times you've been voluntold, right? You're in an organization and they've decided to establish a formal mentoring program and they've matched, you know, 50 mentees with 50 mentors. And now you are sharing your wisdom, your ups and downs, your failures and your messes with a mentee and helping them accomplish what it is they're setting out to do. I think mentorship is sort of coaching unbridled, without the formal processes, without the monetization. It's different from being a champion or an ally or a sponsor. I think you earn your way into those. It's different than leadership. I'd argue that not all leaders should be mentors. Not all the competencies of a great leader make a great mentor. And I think no one should ask their leader to be their mentor. I think it puts your mentor in an uncomfortable position. A mentor is someone that has offered to mentor you free of charge with their time. Yes, there is a start and an end. Yes, there are processes. Yes, there are expectations. Yes, there are boundaries. But it's different in coaching in that it's not a business. It's a gift. It's an investment made in someone you care about, where again, you're sharing your wisdom. 
You're not saying, well, if I were you, I would do this because mentors can't be their mentees. What they say instead is, well, when I was faced with a similar challenge, here's what I did. Let's tease out what insights might be helpful as you pursue your goal. But aren't some people out there selling their skills as a mentor, uh, marketing that? Well, I don't know of any, and perhaps you do. I think they're called coaches. Yeah, that's so. There's okay. So I think you've okay because that's what I wondered about. I get, as you do, I get a lot of requests from people asking for advice, and there are people that want to pay me, and I've just said, "Hey, look, I'm not a professional. I'm not certified. I'll tell you what I can. Don't hold me to it. I just, I'll tell you what I know, but I don't." I don't want to be uh, taking somebody's money for what I do. I, and that sounds like what you're talking about. Tom, you have just described my own journey. I've been privileged now you know, at 55 and I've had a great career like yours to have people approach me weekly, wanting to pay me large amounts of money to coach them. I said, word for word, what do you say? I'm not a coach. I'm not credentialized. I'm not certified. I haven't followed a process. I don't want to be held to that level of accountability. Now, I'm happy to mentor you on a particular topic for 30 or 40 minutes complimentary. I don't want an exchange of money for that. It's my it's my my gift to you in the time. I would much rather be someone's mentor. I'm not in the business of being a coach. This is Tom Laurie. You're listening to the Mentors Radio Show. We are with Franklin Covey's mentoring expert, Scott Jeffrey Miller. Okay. So what are some of the ethical issues around mentoring? I had somebody on a show long ago who actually sponsors mentoring, mentoring. And he said, you know, mentors can really um, ruin people as well. Yes. That's probably a heavy statement, right? I, I hope, I mean, anybody can ruin anybody. Well, welcome to parenting, right? I think generally speaking, some of the guardrails around mentoring is to make sure you set some boundaries as the mentor, that you know what your areas of expertise are and what they're not. And you declare them up front with your mentee. In fact, role number two in my book is called the boundary setter. To be able to say, let's just say, for example, I was mentoring Tom. I can assure you it would be the opposite way around. But for you know giggles, let's assume I was mentoring you. Early on in our conversation, I would say, Tom, I want to be clear on what I can do for you. I'm not a therapist. I'm not an investor. I'm not someone that is a connector or is intending to give you access to my network or my Rolodex. What I am is a guy that's had lots of successes and lots of failures managing careers inside of large organizations. And I'm also an entrepreneur. I'm a podcast host and I'm this, that, and the other. I'm a parent, I'm a spouse. So to the degree your needs fall in one of my categories, one of my roles, I'm delighted to coach you on the areas of where I do have expertise, both in failure and in success. But let's make sure that we don't ask me to play a role that I'm not qualified to do. By the way, to your original question, Tom, another role is the visionary. And I think where mentors can do some damage on a mentee is over-visioning. I think when we hear about the visionary, we think, oh, you're supposed to have big, bold aspirations and be super creative and think of things that your mentee could do that they ever thought of. Well, there's truth to that. But we also know that we can over-vision someone. We can, we can crush someone under a vision. Because oftentimes, when I'm cooking up a vision for you, it's usually a vision for me. 
is something that I wished I would have done or I want to do or my skills could support this. I think you can do damage to a mentee when you burden them or crush them with a vision of what you should do, which is different than what a vision is for what they should do. Well, that's an excellent point. I just yesterday and had to do not with the individual, but it had to do with what the individual was doing on a um, ministry uh, to deal with people who had health problems. And I kind of gave her an outline of things she ought to think about. And she came back and we talked about her vision. And I said, you know, you need to tone this back a little bit. Uh, you know, you, you, you're going to end up very disappointed. Let's Let's take a mini step before we go to the big step. You can always have the big vision, but let's build some momentum. You're raising your hand. Go jump in. Well, I think it's a beautiful setup because it's an area where I struggle with. I, I tend to be a very creative person. I'm somewhat charismatic. I can paint anybody into having false confidence in something that I could do. And so I have to be really thoughtful when I'm mentoring someone to calibrate where I think they could go based on their strengths and their weaknesses, on their passions, on their traumas, on all of that. Not being a therapist, I'm increasingly responsible not to irresponsibly put someone into a vision that could lead them to failure as opposed to success. So I work in uh, Silicon Valley and healthcare building companies. And of course, I deal with venture capitalists and so on and so forth. And of course, Everyone wants to know what the big vision is. Uh, and you have to deliver something so they can think they're the next unicorn or something. Uh, but, uh, and that's great. I mean, you can have a tagline and a vision, but the, the only way you're going to get there, it's like climbing a mountain. It's one step at a time. And you really want to guide people through the journey rather than uh, get them frustrated and not reaching the vision too too quickly. So that, that was a little bit of my own experience that we're, and before we jump into the next question, why don't we take our break uh, and come back? We're going to be right back. We're with Scott Jeffrey Miller. He's the author of a master's mentor series and the ultimate guide to great mentorship, 13 roles to making a true impact. This is Tom Laurie, and this is the Mentors Radio Show. And now back to the mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Welcome back. This is Tom Laurie, and I'm with Franklin Covey, thought leader and authority on mentoring, Scott Jeffrey Miller. We're talking about when it comes to career growth, who's really got your back? If you enjoy the show, please take a moment to rate us on Apple or Spotify podcasts. Your positive comments can make a big impact on those unfamiliar with the show. Thank you for your support. It means a lot to us. So as I was thinking about this, the coaching, mentoring, uh, and of course, we ought to touch a little bit on the sponsors. People really perform well when they know that somebody's got their back. Can a mentor help a mentee in that way? I think so, circumstantially. I mean, you talked a little bit about being an ally and a champion and a sponsor. I think these are all different roles that can connect. I think, like I said before, I think it's important that you not ask your leader to be your mentor. In some rare situations, does that work? I don't think your mentor is automatically your champion or your sponsor or your ally. It might be that your mentor is someone who lives four houses down from you and doesn't work in the same company as you do. Or maybe they're abroad and they may not have a chance to be your ally or your sponsor 
in the circumstance you're in where you're trying to get mentored. Again, I think it all is circumstance-based. Generally speaking, Tom, my experience is most people are being mentored within the structure of their employer. Now, are there outliers? Yes, right? There are undergraduate students being mentored by alumni. There are uh, marginalized youth being mentored by business and community leaders. There's people in not-for-profits and foundations. But my experience has been most people will tell you that their most influential mentors were people that they were matched with inside their employer, mostly as part of some organized formal mentoring program. Not always, but in most cases, it's where I see the biggest impact is happening, helping you navigate the politics of the organization, how to become a vice president, how to become more aware of your blind spots. I think mentors often can become allies and sponsors depending upon how they view their mentee and has that person earned the trust of moving from mentor to become ally, sponsor, or champion. So the person mentoring can be within the organization as well as outside the organization. Certainly. Certainly. I, I, have, I have people that are my mentors that don't work in the Franklin Covey company. I've had mentors that I was matched with formally and informally. I think it's really make what you make of it. And I'd even broaden it. I mean, the most influential mentor in my life is a man I never met. His name was Bruce Williams. He really founded talk radio back in the 80s with the Bruce Williams show. I listened to him every night for like five years from 6 to 9 p.m. give business and entrepreneurial advice. Bruce Williams died having no idea Scott Miller was even alive, going to write a best-selling book called The Ultimate Guide to Great Mentorship. But he was my mentor for hundreds of hours in junior, and high, junior high school and high school. You don't have to have even met your mentor to learn from them. This is Tom Laurie. You're listening to the Mentors Radio Show. We are with Franklin Covey's mentoring expert, Scott Jeffrey Miller. Do you think we've lost something uh, when you think back to the Middle Ages and over time? And I was a bricklayer early in my, in my college years. And they used to have apprenticeship programs. I mean, there's mentoring on skills and there's mentoring on decision-making, judgment, and Stephen Covey, M.R. Covey, who had been on the show recently, talked about, when he was talking about trust, about those differences between competence and the judgment. But have we lost, I mean, you almost think we need, I mean, I think it'd be nice to have, and maybe this is what you're talking about in companies where they have mentoring programs, but it's an apprenticeship program of sorts, isn't it? Well, I think, I wish I had more time to think this question through as our economy has, you know, unrecognizably morphed, morphed right into uh, different skills and different careers. You're seeing more knowledge workers. You're seeing really people that are bringing their expertise to the table around interpersonal skills. We know them as soft skills now or power skills. And so I think um, apprenticeship programs are now known as internships. They're known as mentee and mentor programs. So as you know, I, I don't know if I had ever had, listen, I'm, I'm a generalist, right? I'm not a specialist, right? I, I, I'm, I've had a career in sales and marketing and public relations and as an author and as a thought leader and a podcast host. I don't really know how you apprentice. I don't know how you apprentice for a lot of that. Some of that can be done in an internship program. Some of that can be done in lower level roles that you succeed or fail in and your leader or your mentor gave you good advice on. 
my sense is it still exists for the hard trades, right? I think, you know, bricklayers and, and dentists and, you know, people that are working with their hands are still doing apprentice programs. I think internships are alive and well. I don't know anybody graduating from college now that hasn't done two or three different internship programs. I think a lot of, a lot of work now is, you know, on the job training, both in white collar and blue collar industries. I think you got to figure out what path you're taking and what's the right career preparation for that, whether it be internship or apprenticeship. I think a commonality amongst all great careers is being the recipient of great mentorship. Taking a page out of your book of sorts, uh, you talk about what mentors, different roles they can play. But now let's, let's assume I'm in a company, I've heard the show and I'm going, you know, I really don't have a mentor. I ought to find one. How does somebody go about finding a mentor, asking a mentor to be a mentor? There's no shortage of ways. Let's say you work in an organization that doesn't have a mentor program. Walk over to human resources or people services and say, hey, I really would love to have someone mentor me on the following items. And that's important. I don't think you should walk in and say, I need a mentor. I think you should walk to an influential person in the company, typically not your leader someone else and say, I'm looking to be mentored to better understand what skills should I develop that are valued inside this company. I'm looking for an international assignment, and I'd wonder who in this company might be able to mentor me on the best way to move into an international assignment. You should be clear on what it is you want to be mentored on. Is it how to become a dentist? Is it how to become a patent attorney? Is it how to become a vice president? Is so how to become a more effective communicator or make it to the C-suite. You as the mentee should have an end in mind. What is the goal you're trying to accomplish? And then go to someone influential and ask them, do you know of someone that could help me progress my goal, which is X? It might be someone in your church or synagogue or mosque. It might be someone at the local city hall. It could be an entrepreneur. By the way, I don't look for mentors that are always the experts. If I want to know how to have a 40-year marriage, I don't go to the guy who's had a 40-year marriage. I go to the guy who's had three marriages. <laughs> if I want to earn a billion dollars, I don't go to the billionaire. I go to the lady who's had four bankruptcies because I think in life, you learn more from other people's mistakes than you do from their successes. So now I am that person that this person finally finds. Yes. And now we want to talk a little bit about your book, because that's a big responsibility being a mentor. So if somebody assumes that, uh, and I think maybe the best thing to do is for us to cut and come back and give a little more time to the next segment, because I want to talk more about, okay, now I've been asked, what are my, what should I think about? So I'm responsible and, and all of that. So we're going to come right back after a short break. We're with Scott Jeffrey Miller, the author of Master Mentor Series, and more recently, The Ultimate Guide to Great Mentorship. This is Tom Laurie, and this is The Mentors Radio Show. And now, back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Welcome back. This is Tom Laurie, and I am with Franklin Covey, thought leader and authority on mentoring, Scott Jeffrey Miller. We're talking about when it comes to career growth, who really has your back? Let's shift gears now and talk about me as a mentor and the things I should think about. And in your book, you talk about, was it the 13 different roles that we can play as a mentor? 
and they're all situational. Let's put it that way. You don't go down. It's not a menu like you're here and here, but it's situational. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what you've got packed into that book? You know, it's interesting. I was privileged to have HarperCollins come and invite me to write the book. They really felt like the corporate world, if you will, the education world needed a practical book on mentoring because, like I said earlier, Tom, I think the majority of mentees aren't walking around town with a shingle out saying, can I mentor you for free? That's called coaching. It's a business for people. But in most cases, people have a mentor match them inside the organization. And usually, not always, but usually it's someone a little more senior, a little more seasoned, a little older than the up and coming individual. And they're usually matched with someone. They are matched with a mentee that's uh, looking to accomplish something, but their leadership competencies don't always translate into mentorship competencies. I could get into that on a different program, but they don't always correlate. So I wrote this book to prescribe, I think there are 13 roles that mentors play. The questioner, the challenger, the validator, the navigator, the flagger, the distiller, and so on. You don't play all the roles. Sometimes you overplay them. Sometimes you underplay them. And I wrote the book to help mentors in a very fast, quick, easy read to be able to say, okay, so based on this circumstance with this mentee, I think I should play these two or three roles in this order, but have an awareness of the other ones in case it makes sense for me to employ them if my mentee is struggling or they're stuck or they're not delivering on promises or they're not living in, in reality. And so I share funny stories that are relatable, a lot of scripts, say this, say that, don't say this, don't say that. The book is a very practical book for mentors wanting to have a bigger impact on their mentee. Let's talk about two of them in particular. Let's talk about the challenger. When, would, when, would, when should a mentor play the role of the challenger? There's many cases, right? One is when your mentee is confusing her or his or their emotions, opinions, and feelings with facts. We all do this, right? Facts are facts and feelings are feelings and they're both important, but they're not always the same. Perhaps someone is extrapolating you know, an outcome from a conversation or they're taking it too far or they've built a false narrative or they're, or they're, they're pursuing too many goals or they have a goal that you think might be not matched with their passion or their skills. The challenger is really becoming self-aware of what your own level of courage is. How do you push back on someone that still keeps their self-esteem and their self-confidence intact, but helps them to really own what it is they're saying driven towards what they should be doing? This is Tom Laurie. You're listening to the Mentors Radio Show. We are with Franklin Covey's mentoring expert, Scott Jeffrey Miller. So, what would be a question or two that the challenger might ask? Tom, what I hear you saying is that you really feel that all eight people in this meeting have it out for you and wish you would get fired. You know, Tom, I've never been in any meeting where all eight people agreed on anything, let alone the ousting of someone. Is it possible that emotions were running high and you were feeling either embarrassed or intimidated and that you were conflating that everyone was really agreeing with the fact that you should be ousted or was one person perhaps. Let's recreate the scenario. Let's make sure you're seeing this properly because my sense is you might have been in a very vulnerable position 
and you might have inflated the alignment of all eight people. Now, I made that up, right? But I think it's just bringing a little calm, a little prudence, a little maturity to, to a mentee who might be using words like always and everyone and maybe feeling like they're a bit of a victim and maybe bringing some self-awareness to say, hey, Tom, I notice that often you feel attacked by others. It seems to be a theme of your personality and career. Can we unpack that a little bit? And let's talk about how much evidence you have to support that. And how can we put you in better situations so that you are feeling like a victor and not a victim? And let's uh, switch gears and talk about the activator, which is one of my favorites. It's a role that I play a lot. Uh, why don't you talk a little bit about the activator situation and maybe a couple of questions real quick. We've got uh, about three minutes until the break. You know, this is a dangerous role. This is role number 11 out of the 13 because the activator comes toward the end. Now, there's no specific sequence in role one or role four, but they generally tend to build on each one, each other. The activator is a powerful role. This is where, as the mentor, you have gained evidence, you've assessed emotions, you've um, experienced your mentee's strengths and their weaknesses, you know what their goal is. And this is when almost like the judge, you lower the gavel and you say, Tom, I've been listening to you for four weeks talk about whether or not you should become a podiatrist or a commercial airline pilot. Because Tom, you've, you've talked about both of those and we know they share nothing in common, right? One is about feet and one is about 30,000 feet off the ground. But Tom, as I listen to you, and think, I think about all the things you want to accomplish, your values, your principles, your goals. It seems to me you really enjoy face-to-face -face contact. You enjoy the one-on-one -on -one contribution. I, I, I think that the pilot is, you sit up front with the door closed and you don't meet anybody but your co-pilot. Seems to me, you get the point, right? That podiatry, the activator really has the power of sending someone in a direction. You're sort of the, the um, imprimatur giver. You're saying, Tom, this is the direction I think you should take. And mentors should not take that lightly because you could endorse someone in the wrong direction. This is a role you should take very judiciously and very deliberately and weigh in at exactly the right time. Now, the, the relationship is built on trust, and it is a relationship. And uh, it's been my experience that as you work with people, you'll see something that they may not see in themselves. Yes. And I think that's where the activator can play a very powerful role for them to see that. I, I'm thinking right now as I'm talking to you about a young lady who has achieved a very high level of uh, responsibility in a uh, company in the finance industry. Uh, and, you know, I've been really urging her to start thinking about board positions as a, as a bridge to what's next. Uh, and I don't, and she would make an excellent board member. I've, I've been around a lot of boards. Uh, so I'm, I'm working as an activator and I've put around other women who have achieved board positions, uh, that can offer that expertise on how you do it. She's very interested, but then there's that fear element that you get into play there and you need a little bit of a, a push. Maybe you could quickly comment on that. I think we got about 30 seconds left. Well, I, I can see your style as being someone who doesn't push someone, but kind of leads them. I, I see you sort of as the Johnny Appleseed, right? Opening up possibilities and opportunities and validating her competence and her ability. I do think that the activator is a role that should be played rarely, 
with enormous confidence that you're convinced this is the right path for your mentee. Yeah, I think the confidence, I, I can see where you can push people in the wrong direction. I understand that. Yeah. So we're going to come right back for our last segment with Scott Jeffrey Miller. And uh, you'll find all of our show notes and links at TheMentorsRadio.com. When you're there, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future shows. This is Tom Laurie, and this is The Mentors Radio Show. And now, back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Welcome back. This is Tom Laurie, and I'm with Franklin Covey, thought leader and authority on mentoring, Scott Jeffrey Miller. We're talking about when it comes to career growth, who can help you achieve all you can be. Um, what a change we've talked about mentoring and uh, I, I urge people that are being asked to mentor to take a look at your book and all these different roles that we play as mentors when you did all of this work and put this book together did you learn anything new about yourself oh definitely i learned that all of these roles should be done with the right level of calibration. I've always thought my biggest skill, and we mentioned this earlier, was to be enormously creative. Everything I do is bigger and bolder, right? Three guests for dinner? No, 30. 300 balloons? No, 30,000 balloons, right? I mean, so everything I do is over the top. It's kind of my brand. And I've also learned that I can kind of take the air out of a room, right? If it's not about me, then I kind of want to pick up my bag and go home. I admit this. I'm I'm sufficiently self-aware. So as a mentor, I've realized when I've got to dial down, when I've got to step back a little bit, when I make sure that as a parent, sometimes I live vicariously through my three sons, I have to be really cautious around not living vicariously through my mentees. I think this book has brought me a level of humility as a leader, as a parent, as a friend, as a mentor, to recognize I don't play all these roles very well. I can't play all of them at the same time. But to pick the ones that I do play well and make sure that they're the right role for the right circumstance. It's given me a buffet of options, right? The book is the ultimate guide to great mentorship. And Every mentor isn't going to play all 13 roles. And I have to be cautious not to try to be all 13 roles to everybody in my life as well. So as I read through your book, one of the things that became clear to me, it's also a good guide for parents. It's a great parenting book. I think it's a decent leadership book. I think it's a great book for the person who's playing pickleball. And you want to know what kind of pickleball partner are you? The person who walks around the block with your best friend and you want to be a better best friend walker around the block person. I think this book will help to build your self-awareness and help you determine what are your strengths and your weaknesses and how do you become not just a better mentor, but a better person, a better friend, a better colleague, better parent, a better spouse. Thank you for saying as you've done all of this, what is the what are your thoughts about the uh, biggest obstacle that people have in developing a mentoring relationship, whether as a mentee or mentor? I think it's one, it's being self-aware. It's really understanding what's it like to be in a relationship with you? What's it like to be on the receiving end of feedback from you? What's it like to have a high courage conversation with you? This book really is about building your self-awareness so that you know 
your rate, your tone, your pitch, your volume, your word use, all your experiences? Are you intimidating or are you, are you uh, warm and encouraging? Do people leave experiences with you feeling better about themselves or worse about themselves? I wrote this book so that anyone who was a mentor, formal or informal, could make people progress their dreams faster and feel better about themselves along the way. What is the, I think that I, I like the idea of uh, making them feel better after they leave. I think that's a great goal. What is a, for you, what does a meaningful life look like? Oh, it's it's allowing people to benefit from my mistakes is showing the courage and the humility to say, I screwed this up and I screwed that up. And here was why I did that. And here was my decision-making process. And I'm vulnerable enough to share that with you in the hopes that you cannot repeat the same mistakes I made, but to accomplish your goals faster. I'm very comfortable with the concept of vulnerability is a leadership parenting and mentor competency. Well, we're out of time. I want to thank you very much, Scott, for taking the time to join us as our guest mentor today. We we have been with Franklin Covey, thought leader and authority on mentoring, Scott Jeffrey Miller. If you've missed any of the show, you can find a link in our show notes, including a link to Scott's books, which we will post on our website. That's thementorsradio.com, thementorsradio.com. Or you can listen on your favorite podcast platform. And make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future shows and give us a five-star rating. That's it. Join us next week at the same time for the next edition of The Mentors Radio. Until then, this is Tom Laurie signing off for today. Remember, be all you can be and keep the candle lit for all who struggle in the darkness. It's been The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. To get more information about the program or a sponsor, to download a podcast of today's show, or to leave a question for our host, go to TheMentorsRadio.com. That's www.TheMentorsRadio.com. The preceding program, copyright CBJ, LLC. All rights reserved.